Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. everybody what's up welcome into the athletic fantasy football podcast michael beller and Derek van riper here with you on a friday and you know what that means a little bit of dfs talk for the next 15 minutes or so dvr how you doing heading into week seven weekend doing great this week seven slate looks an awful lot like the week six one so if you played last week and you were in tune with some of the strategies that would have worked well last week i think you're in a good place as you begin your prep or continue your prep for week seven a lot of big spreads, three double-digit ones, a couple others that are either creeping right up toward or beyond a touchdown. We've got six teams on by, obviously, throwing the the uh, the night games, and so not uh, not a huge uh, group of teams and group of players on the main slate, at least compared with where we were just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's going to be an interesting slate to build from as well. I think the first question, I think we got two questions we got to tackle first, Stevie R. The first one. Uh, and they, they actually have uh, something to do with one another. The first one is Chiefs and Titans. 57.5 is the over-under in that game, by far the highest this week, and I'm pretty sure the highest that we've seen so far this season. Also, tied to that game, Derrick Henry, $9,200, the way that he is going. Do you have to find investment in this game? And then to Henry or not to Henry? Yeah, hard to avoid this game completely. What I'm surprised by right now is the projected roster rate of Henry is actually somewhat low in part because there's so much value everywhere else, both in this game and in other backup running backs in prominent spots. I would say Daryl Henderson probably still underpriced at 6,600 with the Rams being huge favorites in that game. So it looks like the more common build is to build around the high five, uh, high 6K running backs and to bypass Henry, at least right now. Now, more value could open up between now and the start of the games on Sunday, and that could make Henry extremely chalky. But I don't think he's a must play, but I certainly want to try and build around him, especially in tournaments. I mean, if we go into the weekend and Henry's sitting there with like a 15% projected roster rate, sign me up because he's capable of, of giving us 40 points in those crazy smash scenarios that he occasionally puts up. And this could be one because that Kansas City defense, you pointed this out yesterday, bottom five against the run and bottom five against the pass. They leak like a sieve. Only the Texans are in that club with Kansas City right now. So this seems like a prime spot for Henry to roll up a huge, huge day in a massive shootout. I mean, what you love about that is that this really does feel like it is going to play to the script that we're all expecting because these are two really bad defenses. I mean, they just they just are. I mean, they are what they are, and they're teams that can win with offense. They're teams that can overpower the other team, and, you know, they can give up 31 but score 34. They can give up 34 and score 38. That's just how these teams are built, and it's how they have to play. DVR, I mean, it's, just, it's just a fact. It's how they have to play. I think these teams, regardless of who they're playing, 
both the Titans and the Chiefs, I think, need to go into games thinking we need 30. We need 31. And then when you're playing against a team, I would say this is more in play for the Titans than it is for the Chiefs. When you're going up against the Chiefs, on top of that, you have to assume we need 31. So you're going to have that thinking on both sides of this game. And so I don't think we get one of these letdown games where we're expecting a shootout and then, you know, it falls flat. And instead of being 37-34, it's 24-21. Like, that just doesn't really feel realistic with the way these teams are built and with the way these two teams have played this season. So then if you go Henry, do you have to run it back with a chief? And if you do, who is it? Because it's hard to get Henry and Mahomes, Henry and Tyreek Hill, Henry and Travis Kelsey. It's just not an easy thing to do. Can you go with a cheaper Titan and go with the Chiefs? I mean, it's not the easiest build to figure out if you're going to play both sides of it. Yeah, I think the easiest way to get exposure to both sides of the matchup while having something that correlates in a way that is smart would be to play A.J. Brown at 6,300 and to play Daryl Williams uh, under 6K on the Kansas City side. That's the easiest way to have plenty of exposure to this game and to not overspend to get it. I think it'll be the most common combination of two players played from this game, so you have to you know apply that accordingly. Um, I would say the alternative way to think about it maybe would be this could be a week where you talk yourself into maybe paying up for Travis Kelsey, and then you could pair Kelsey with A.J. Brown to do something different if you're going to go with those cheaper backs and stay away from Henry. I think the hardest thing about this is that you, the two players you probably like most based on their projections are the two running backs, and you don't want to play running backs on opposite sides of a matchup, generally speaking. So I, I think I'd probably err on the side of that Brown-Williams duo for cash games and then try and find some kind of pivot for tournament builds. All right, let's look at the rest of the slate. Is there any one individual player? This is something we haven't talked about a ton. Like any one guy who you're trying to, I don't know if I want to say build teams around, but like you mentioned Daryl Henderson earlier, and he uh, has such a locked-in role in the Rams offense. They're now up to 16.5-point favorites at home against the Lions. Lions have been terrible against the run this season. Daryl Henderson is going to get plenty of run in this game, even if they do end up covering that spread. Maybe he gives up some carries in the fourth quarter, but he's going to have a big hand in getting the Rams to that point. Is he someone who you want to like auto put into lineups? Is there anyone who checks that box for you this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Henderson is probably as close to that player as anyone. I think part of that's the price on Cooper Cup. I think it's somewhat mm-hmm. difficult to get to more than it's a one prohibitive. high-priced receiver. Yeah, he's at 8,400. Devonta Adams way up there at 8,900. I get it, given the struggles that Washington secondary and given the target share that Adams has in that offense. But yeah, the must-play sort of player for me is almost just one from that group of running backs that includes Henderson at 6,600, Williams at 5,800, and probably Leonard Fournette at 6,400 because it's no Gronk and no Antonio Brown. So they're pretty Mm -hmm. thin in that group of pass catchers. They're big favorites. We've seen them really lean more heavily on Leonard Fournette in these last few weeks than they were throughout most of last season. The Ronald Jones uh, plan seems to have been completely derailed at this point. So if you look at the touch volume for Fournette, 28 last week against the Eagles, 16 the prior week against the Dolphins, and 23 against New England in a similar kind of grinded out sort of game a couple weeks ago, like that's that's a good floor for Fournette. If we're, if we're trusting that volume, it's really hard to pass on him at 6,400 uh, if you're trying to stay away from Henderson or if you want to just pair them together. I mean, they, you could do that and, and try to find uh, cheap pass catching options with the Lions and, and the Bears. I think the the hardest thing about playing Fournette is choosing your run back option from the Bears. Like, do you want to play Allen Robinson right now? I certainly don't. Really. 
do you trust Darnell Mooney even in a, in a good matchup? Eh, it's not great. So uh, that's the hardest thing about playing the the chalky running backs in some of these cases is you don't always have that clear cut player you want to throw back the other way. I would say it's easier with Henderson to build something out because T.J. Hawkinson at 5100 mm-hmm. is reasonably easy to get, and I think you could see him pretty easily leading that Lions offense and targets again this week. Well, something you've t- you talked about last week also, you talked about, what do you say, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, Austin Eckler. I think it was, those were the three you threw out who are sort of, they're the guys who you can go running back, running back, and run it back with a guy, uh, with a back on the other side of the game because of the fact of their, their pass-catching roles sort of make them game script independent. And uh, is DeAndre Swift? Getting into that group too. I mean, he's been such a big pass catcher for the Lions of this season. They've just had. I mean, they, they have had nothing in the receiving core, and they're not going. That's just not going to change anytime soon. So he's been such an important pass catcher for them. He's done so much work in garbage time. Like you might be looking at this game at the end of the first half and be like, Ugh, "DeAndre Swift, not the best call in my life." But then every every second half, it just comes around when suddenly he ends the game with like eight catches for fifty five yards, and so. Maybe he is a run back with Daryl Henderson. Maybe he has a little bit of that McCaffrey, Eckler, Kamara gene where it almost doesn't matter what the game script is. He's going to get his 15 touches regardless. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And again, this is a kind of a, a conversation that's more of an open conversation rather than just the, hey, I think you can do this or should do this. But it certainly looks like with the lack of quality receivers in the Lions offense, the target volume for Swift isn't changing anytime soon. They're always losing. They should be losing throughout the second <laughs> half of this game. So I mean, we're talking about a guy that, from the running back position, has at least five targets in every game this season. The yeah. volume is very consistent. It's basically DeAndre Swift, in terms of usage, is a slot receiver, usage-wise, who then also can get double-digit carries on top of that. What would you pay for that player ordinarily, right? Like, take a decent mm-hmm. slot receiver... And then add 10 carries. It's a really exciting player yeah. from a, a volume standpoint. So hey, I would say Swift is a it's, it's a viable option to pair with Henderson as the run back. The only thing that is maybe a deterrent to that is just usage right now in terms of how many rosters are going to have Swift on them. That, that might actually be a somewhat common build, but I, I think the way he's used justifies building a lineup that way. Here's a decent comparison and maybe a decision that some people are going to make. Would you rather have DeAndre Swift at 6,000 or Cordell Patterson at 6,300? Similar roles to play in their offenses. See, in a cash build, it's a, a no-brainer for me that I would prefer Swift. But I think Patterson might be an interesting tournament pivot because of expected usage. He's not projected to be among those top 10 running backs. And is the is the way he's deployed in Atlanta really that different than DeAndre Swift's situation in Detroit? Not really. Maybe fewer carries. Like instead of getting yeah. ten, I to would 12, say it's more like the the style in which they're used is different. But ultimately, like when you look at the end of the day, carry number and target number, it's probably going to be similar. Yeah, I mean, I I think the double digit touches in four consecutive games for Patterson, twenty one. It was a season high against the Jets. I don't think you want to expect that. But if you're expecting twelve to fourteen at that price, and again, it's half of those are catches. You're getting a point for every catch. You're getting more yards per catch than you are per carry, and you're getting big playability. I could see the justification for Patterson as a GPP pivot, given where everybody else is going to be trying to build their core running backs this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm going to go back to something I uh, asked you a couple minutes ago saying, is there one player who you're just sort of thinking like, yeah, I kind of want to get that guy in my lineup. For me, it's Chris Godwin. You mentioned the uh, the injury to Antonio Brown, the injury to Rob Gronkowski. And so I just think there's going to be big volume for Chris Godwin in this game. I really uh, don't have any con- concerns about both him and Mike Evans pushing double-digit targets. And, you know, the Bears actually do have a good defense. And we saw the a season ago, right, the Bears beat the Buccaneers. The Bears are one of the handful of teams that beat the Buccaneers in the regular season. You got a lot of same personnel on both sides of this game. Uh, it's become cliche, but it's true. The way you slow down the Bucs is you get some pressure in Tom Brady's face right up the middle. It's something the Bears can do. It's like one of the few things this team can do well and do consistently, lead the NFL in sacks, and that's really no accident. This is a team that definitely can get after the quarterback. So that's the risk in going after one of these guys. The reward here is that with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski out, I mean, this is going to be Mike Evans and Chris Godwin all day. That's what it's going to be. The Buccaneers are still 12.5-point favorites. They've got an implied team total. That should push them up near 30. Like, this could be a really big day for both of those receivers. And you just don't get this opportunity very often to get a receiver tied to Tom Brady, tied to the Bucks' offense, who's at less than $6,000, who is a good bet for, I would say, at least seven or eight targets in this game. And so Chris Godwin is someone who I find myself circling around to relatively easily. And then it opens up the question about what to do with the wide receiver position. You mentioned it. You've got Devontae Adams at 8,900, Tyreek Hill at 8,600, Cooper Cup at 8,400. Unrealistic to think you're going to have more than one of those guys in your lineup. And then it's just, it's been a weird position to figure out this year. And I don't think that changes this week. Right. And I think there's a ton of value at wide receiver. So you can get one expensive receiver and then kind of play the mid range. I love the Godwin call. I think he makes a ton of sense. I think he actually will end up being very popular. I think at the time of this recording, he wasn't quite top 10 in terms of projected usage. He should be a top five option because mm-hmm. I see 10 targets going his way in, in in even a normal Bucks win easily sort of game script. If that game stays close, he could end up with more than that. So at 5,900, I love the Godwin call. I'm surprised people like Sterling Shepard as much as they do. That's kind of the the surprise discounted receiver that I'm I'm not sure about. Now, part of the reason people like him, they're really banged up in that receiving core, so he could also be looking at a pretty big volume week too. Yeah, but he's also banged up himself. There's value, though, even cheaper than Godwin, where you've got T. Higgins at 4,900 on the road in Baltimore. That's really intriguing. What do you do with Rashad Bateman? I mean, does he fit into your plans at all at 3,400? Is there some... GPP sort of punt appeal. I know people are interested in him, so you're not getting him at 3% usage. You're getting him probably at a double-digit number, but how interested are you in Bateman given what you saw in his debut? 
interested generally, not particularly this week. I mean, $3,400 receiver who led his team in targets in his first game after being injured and is a rookie. Like, obviously, there's some tournament appeal to a player who has those sorts of stats right next to his name. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I, I really do. I mean, I, you know, six and a half is the spread on Ravens and Bengals. Uh, this is a very good Bengals defense. It is a Ravens offense that still wants to live on the ground, even likely without Latavius Murray, which would mean technically they're on their like fourth-string running back for this season. Um, I just think that this is still going to be a game that is played close, is played fast in terms of just like literal amount of time uh, that this game is played in and is one that is relatively low scoring. And so we know at best, right, at best, most likely he comes into this as the third option in the passing game for a run first team in a game that very well could be played in the low 20s. And so that's what pushes me away from Rashad Bateman. If I were inclined to go with a Raven in the pass game, I would still be leaning more toward Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, even understanding that they're both about $2,000 more expensive. Yeah, I think that game is pretty interesting because it's a great kind of prove-it opportunity for the Bengals offense. Can they actually go in and put up points against at least an above-average Ravens defense? Maybe they're not elite, but they're at least, I think, above-average overall. Can they find ways to confuse Burrow? Or can Cincinnati's passing game weapons especially find some success can they actually move the ball and and turn this game into a little more of an offensive battle because yeah the way the the way the spread and the over under are set up the Bengals are under 20 points for their implied total this week so probably an interesting sort of GPP stack if you want to try something a little bit different but I'm erring on the side of caution I wouldn't wouldn't go all in with Bengals I would dabble with some Bengals this week just hoping they can keep it closer than the line expects all right, DVR, uh, let's wrap this up by looking at the quarterback position. It's just something that uh, in our, in our uh, I would say, semi-arranged rambling here, we haven't touched on the quarterback position very much. So uh, let's hit it up over there. Uh, is there any one quarterback who's jumping out at you as a particular value this week? Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr at 6K is probably my favorite overall value option. Uh, I'm trying to make sense of Tua Tungavailoa. I don't think he's looked good enough to be confident in playing him 5500 is certainly tempting I don't think I'm going to play him in most of my builds maybe I'll build one to a lineup but ugh, I, I just you can he kind of hear the the uncertainty on that I just <laughs> yes. I, I'm seeing the projection I'm seeing the value and I'm looking at it I'm saying yeah that kind of makes sense but I don't want to play it so more for everybody else I guess if uh, if they want to go that route if you're going to pay up this week I find it hard to get to Mahomes at 8,400. I think he'll still be popular because there isn't enough value because of players like Bateman being a little more popular because of Higgins, who we mentioned. I think I'd probably top out closer to where Lamar Jackson is priced at 7,400. So likely no Mahomes and likely no Kyler Murray for me. Uh, Do you worry about Kyler Murray in some of these more lopsided games? Arizona is going to be a big favorite a lot throughout Mm -hmm. the season. So we're going to have this question of, well, are they going to ease off of him? Are they not going to let him run as much? Like, I, I I don't really know if that's their style. I kind of feel like Arizona is a pedal to the floor sort of team. And when you see these windows of of Kyler Murray maybe being used by 5% of the field or less, that maybe you do want to try and and pounce and and build around him. But just kind of curious what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's some logic to that, but I just I like we're we're still trying to get in the heads of a coach and we're just we just can't do that, right? I mean, 
they're as as logical as it would be for them to get a big lead and then take the the you know foot off the gas and slow things down a little bit and make sure Kyler doesn't run and doesn't get himself hurt like we're still making suppositions all across the board on that. And there's nothing to say that they don't get that big lead because Kyler runs for 50 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. So it's like there's already enough uncertainty in this game. I'm not going to add another layer of it by trying to guess how a game exactly is going to unfold and how Cliff Kingsbury is going to react in a game where the uh, Cardinals have a three touchdown lead at the, you know, halfway through the third quarter. So I, I would more just lean on the fact that Kyler Murray is a quarterback who's awesome and is playing in a game where his team is favored by 17 points. And that intrigues me. Obviously you have to make your decision on who you're going to pay up for. Can't probably have Kyler Murray and Derrick Henry probably can't have Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams. So you got to make your selection as to where you're going to spend up. That's not my first spot to spend up. So I'm probably not going to have much of Kyler either, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this spread is so big. I can't trust Kyler to have his foot on the gas the entire game. Someone who I want to ask you about before we wrap things up here, Jalen Hurts. Can you play the Jalen Hurts game this oh, week? Because yeah. it hasn't been pretty in real life, but the game log uh, tells a pretty nice story. Every single game, this guy has scored at least 21 DraftKings points. He's averaging a little better than 26 DraftKings points. It's him and Patrick Mahomes, DVR, the only guys who have scored 20-plus points every game this season. Yeah, uh, definitely an unusual way because he's got four rushing touchdowns in the last two games, but you're getting probably 30 to 40 rushing yards as a baseline, and then you're kind of wondering, okay, are we getting 200-plus through the air? I mean, that's that's not bad. If you think he gets one through the air, one on the ground, he makes mm-hmm. value. So 6,900 is a, is a fair price. I think people are all over him because you save a little compared to Jackson. You save a lot compared to Mahomes and Murray. I understand where it's coming from. I think you can certainly build your, your cash game lineups around Hertz this week. I think you're going to have a problem where he's a little too popular in tournaments, though. So you probably want to pivot in those situations. All right, Derek, that's going to wrap things up here for us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks to you all, all of you out there for listening to this episode. Have a great weekend. Good luck in all of your fantasy endeavors. And most of all, happy DFSing. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.